Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If that name means everything to you, would you let him know that for just the next moment or two? I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. Thank you for the grace and the mercy and the favor. Praise the Lord. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord this evening. To come together with precious saints. Offer praise and adoration to the King of Kings. And then to have the opportunity to indulge ourselves in the word of the Lord. I know it's often said, but no place I would rather be than here in the house of the Lord. If you would go with me this evening in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, a passage of scripture that I'm confident that we have read not only in our homes, but many times it has been quoted from the pulpit, but I would like to revisit uh, this passage of scripture this evening, and just for the next few moments share with you what I feel like the Lord would say to us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 10 reads, Which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Aren't you thankful this evening that you've obtained mercy? Aren't you thankful this evening that you've attained the grace and the favor of God? Lord, we love you and we're so eternally grateful for the privilege to be in this house. I'm thankful, God, that you have given us an allotted time and allotted place to come together. And I don't want to waste the opportunity this evening, God, to to hear or to receive what you would speak into my life tonight. God, I'm asking you to anoint us as a congregation. I'm asking you to anoint me, God, anoint our minds, our hearts. And God, draw us near to you tonight, God. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and tell them something good that happened to you today. Praise the Lord. Sounded like everybody had a good day. Amen. I want to uh, speak to us from this topic this evening, and if I may pose a question in my title, and that would simply be, what does God want from me? 
And if you would just reverse that and say that yourself. What is it? What is it that God is is asking of me? We learn from our text this evening that we are chosen by God. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are, in essence, His special people. The word special that I use there does not set us above or beyond others, but because we have accepted the call of God in our life, we are His. We are His children, His people, so that we could show forth the praises of Him who has called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. In the Old Testament, we're also very familiar this evening, but let me refresh our memories. The people of Israel had a priest This priest was responsible uh, for offering the sacrifices to God on behalf of them. They were, these priests would, uh, would serve as the middleman, if I may say that, between God and the congregation. But in the New Testament, instead of having a priest, and take this in the context that I say that in, we, we are the priest. No more do we need someone to go before us, but we now can come boldly before the throne of God and offer our own sacrifices unto the Lord. We can fearlessly step into the holy of holies and declare our petitions before God. The Old Testament priest would bring the sacrifices of others to the altar of God, whether that be a dove, a goat, or a ram, or a bull perhaps. Other animals were offered for a particular sin committed. There were offerings of flour and vegetables, depending on the sin that was committed. But the blood of animals proved to be no effect in the long run because all it could do was merely roll back or defer the sins for a time. But then, but then Calvary happened. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came and gave his life, shedding his own blood for the sins of all mankind. This time the blood was perfect and spotless and and instead of just deferring or rolling back sins for a year, the blood of Jesus Christ became the ultimate sacrifice for the cleansing of sin. And now you and I have the the tremendous privilege to live in this new covenant, a new relationship with the Lord. He he no longer requires the blood of bulls and, and rams or goats, but because he has paid the price, it is forever settled. However, in this walk of faith, this walk of life, this walk with the Lord, he does require sacrifices still to this day. What are the sacrifices that we can bring to God in this new covenant, in this living covenant that you and I partake in on a day-to-day basis? What are the sacrifices that we could bring today that would please God? There are many ways I believe that we can please the Lord. And in the time that I have available this evening, I want us to consider the question, what do I have that God wants? Repeat that with me, if you will. What do I have? That God wants. What, what ability and talent do I have that, that God would consider or that He would, He would want for the kingdom? What assets do I have that, that God would want to use in His marvelous kingdom? And today I want us to consider the first sacrifice that you and I can offer to the Lord and it's very simply our person or us. It's, it's us. We are a sacrifice. He was only eight years old when he became the king of Israel. This young boy had been born into a royal family, but never did he think the duties of a king would be thrust upon him at such an early age. His grandfather Manasseh had ruled over Israel for some time, but he was an evil and wicked man. The testimony from the word of the Lord of his reign as king was that he did that which was evil 
in the sight of the Lord. When Manasseh was dead, his son Ammon became the next to rule. And there was not much difference between him and his father. And eventually men got together and, and plotted to kill him. And the plot was successful. But in the end, someone else uh, would, would take the life of them so that Josiah... The eight-year-old boy would become the king, and he would prove to be a king that sought to honor God. He he first began by rebuilding the temple of the Lord, and, and one day while there was work being done to the temple, the law or the commandments of God, the book of the law was found, and they carried it to Josiah, and he was so moved by the words of the Lord that were found in these writings that he commanded the entire book be read to all the people of Israel. He became a tool in the hands of God. He destroyed the idols that people were worshiping. He went up into the high places and tore down altars that had been built to false gods. All, all the witch doctors and, and those who practiced horoscopes were smashed. The houses of homosexuality and prostitutes were brought to ruin so that Israel would once again live by the law of the Lord. Josiah became a king after the heart of God and was used to usher in a time of great revival and a renewal to God's people. Let's look at how the Lord describes this, this young boy who became king in 2 Kings 23 and 25. He says, And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. Those words, as we read them this evening in the book of Second Kings, ring familiarity because notice them with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might. As men would have stood before the congregation of Israel and, and they read these words of the Lord, I, I can see Josiah listening and the, the readers come to Deuteronomy and these words pierced the heart of this young man and changed him forever when, the, when they would echo or declare, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. We can learn from this today, and we learn that this God that you and I serve uh, today, He requires the sacrifice of self. It's us that God wants. He could care less about your money. He could care less about your job or the possessions or, or your talents or your ability. What God is seeking is us and availability. And we learned that Josiah gave his whole heart to the things of God. And the Lord requires no less than that. On September 28th of 2016, that's what he's after. He's after our whole heart. Paul, Paul was very frank to the Roman church in, in the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 when he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Before we can make any further advances in the kingdom, there has to be an all-important sacrifice that must be made to the Lord. Before I can go any, I can pray till no end, I can fast to no end, but if I don't make a sacrifice of myself, to the Lord. I, I can't move any further in the kingdom. I can't advance any further in the kingdom. It's my, my physical body that God needs. Now before anyone misunderstands me, let me understand. I'm not talking about laying someone on the altar and, and spilling blood here this evening, but uh, let's understand what the Lord is saying there. He says, I need a living sacrifice. He says, I need someone to present themselves, to present our bodies to Him and to give way 
or yield to God's work in his life. I'll never understand, and I, perhaps the question will be answered when we, when we get to heaven, but why on earth would God use us? To do his work. I, it, it amazes me at the patience and the kindness and the love and the understanding of a God that would take us and all our frailty and all our mistakes and use us. And I'm not just talking about flesh that we all see being offered to God. I'm talking about us, the whole person. With that whole person comes a spirit and a soul and a body. You see, before our body can give over to the work, before we can do physical work for the kingdom, our inner man has to first give way. Our body will do nothing that hasn't first been settled in our spirit. If, if, if your spirit and your soul is not willing to do it, then your body's never going to follow suit. It's kind of like perhaps some of our elders would, would know what I'm referring to when I talk about a stubborn mule. You ever tried to get a mule to do something? If he, if he ever, what we call souls up, uh, he, he's not going to move. His, his, his spirit don't want to move, so his body's not going to follow. I can remember one time Brother Everett and Brother Jason and I, we had ventured out on a horse ride and Brother Jason, he, he brought a mule. And we made it a little far piece from the, from where we had unloaded there and the mule just sat down in the middle of the road. And we tried everything we could to get this mule to move. And he had determined in his spirit that he wasn't moving. And so his body wasn't going to follow. I had to gallop all the way back to the truck and trailer and bring it to that point. And when we backed up and opened the gates up, then he decided to stand up. And get on the trailer. And sometimes we're like that. If, if we don't get it settled in our spirit. Sometimes you just got to make up your mind that you're going to do something for God. And do it. And that's all God needs is somebody that's available. You see when the, these, these animals in the Old Testament were brought for sacrifice. They had no choice. That sheep or that goat or that ram was taken and it was isolated. And against its will, perhaps, it was given for a sacrifice. But the Lord challenges you and I and He gives us the choice of free will to serve Him and His kingdom voluntarily. He urges us to sacrifice our life to the cause of His kingdom. But not by physically dying, but rather by by living. What good are we to the kingdom plan if, if we're dead? The sacrifice the Lord is looking for is someone who will die out to flesh and, and die out to the evil thoughts that overtake our mind. Now, to some, this may seem tough and restrictive, and we see in the Christian world today, and I, 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 these next few comments I say respectfully, uh, but I, I'm speaking truth. We see an attitude in this day that as long as I call myself a Christian, I'm going to be okay with God. Don't ask me to change. We hear people say, let me worship and sing and, and let me come to the house of the Lord, but, but don't ask me to change my ways. I, I'm perplexed and confused by our social media today. And again, I'm not, I'm not casting stones, but perhaps on the, in the morning you'll see a devotion or a, or a, or a scripture perhaps that's posted. And then that afternoon, if you were to check again from, Perhaps the same individuals you see, you see stuff that you, you can't even read or look at. And I, I, I'm perplexed by that because I said, Lord, what, what are we doing as children of God when, when we, when we are one way one minute and after lunch we're, we're another way? 
the experience of God's grace and mercy in our life should cause a desire to change. If we've had an encounter with Jesus Christ and we don't change, uh, something's wrong. You know, you see people riding around with, with bumper stickers and tags on their car, supporting local assemblies, but, but yet you see no real change in a life. The, the, the places they perhaps visit or the, the things that transpire, but by default of our occupation, we, we move a lot of slow moving equipment down the highway and, and I, uh, I'm just a working man and I'm sorry if I'm holding up traffic with my 20 mile an hour tractor, but I see people come by me and they're angry with me and I, I get certain gestures and as they pull in front of me, I see a, a fish on there. You know, the little fish on the back or WWJD and I said, well, my, my goodness. But, but looking back on where we were before Jesus Christ, when I look back at where I used to be and where I am now, I, I stand in awe at the power of the Holy Ghost that what He can do. I, I don't say that with arrogance tonight because I am certainly not uh, where I want to be. I want to go further in the Lord. But, but thank God, and, and I'm amazed at the power of the Holy Ghost. If, if I were to be the same now as I was before I repented, I'd better go repent. You know, I, I better find a place. Any relationship that does not change is not worth having. You know, when I first met this beautiful young lady here on the front row and I wanted her for my own, I had to change some things. I, I, I couldn't stay out late no more and carouse around. There was certain girls I couldn't talk to no more. She says, if you want me, you, I want all of you. I want your whole heart. I want everything. And you know, God is the same way. He wants our whole heart, our whole soul, and our whole might. God is still, God is still speaking today. But I wonder, are we listening? I, I, I get in such a rush, in such a hurry, I, and I question myself, and I, I, I feel God telling me sometimes, Jerry, you, you got to stop and listen to what I'm having to say. But you know, sometimes I, I, I get in such a hurry and I just want to, I want to slow down. I, I say this respectfully, Brother Mike and Sister Donna, but a couple of weeks ago, I was across the street in the hayfield and, and they pulled out of the parking lot here one afternoon and me and Brother Mike ex- exchanged a few words and I followed them to this stop sign down here on the corner. Now when I come to that stop sign, I'll, I'll shamefully tell you, I roll through it. If somebody's with me, I say, hey, is anything coming? I don't even look. I watch Brother Mike, and I'm, I'm being respectful, Brother Mike. You taught me something. I watched him pull and make a, a gentle right-hand turn. And that's the way the lines are painted on the road, if you'll look. And he looked both ways. And what that done was that enabled him to see everything that was coming, everything that was around, because he stopped He took out the danger of something wrong happening in the next few moments. And sometimes I feel like God is saying, stop, stop. I'm trying to speak to you. I'm trying to tell you something. But we want to roll right on through the stop sign and we want to be in a hurry and just tell God, hey, can you whisper it in my ear while I'm still moving? But the stop sign has no effect whatsoever. People just just drive on through. And the Lord has put some stop signs along the road in our life, and when we come to these signs, we have a choice. 
we can stop and hear what thus saith the Lord, or we can just drive on through. What do you have that God wants? Well, it's, he simply wants you and I. Jesus Christ is urging us. He's pleading with us. I, I feel like it's sometimes God is begging us. He loves us so much. I, I, I don't want to bring disrespect to the Lord, but I feel like sometimes in the way that he moves, he, he's begging us to yield to him so that a perfect work can be done in our lives. Being a living sacrifice is not easy. Sometimes uh, we, I, I won't use the word we, sometimes I crawl away from the altar and you know, and, and do my own thing, and, and I still feel God calling me. And I, I don't mean giving way to sin, but I mean disregarding some things that God is trying to do in my life. Everything that I'm talking about this evening can be summed up in one word for you and I, and that's consecration. It simply means setting something apart for the worship and work of God. That's something that the Lord wants to set apart. That's something that he wants to set aside, that he wants to do something in. That's something that he needs is us. And we say, why should I set myself, why should I set myself apart? Why should I set myself apart for the, for the worship and the work of God? Well, I don't say this sarcastically this evening, but why not? Why not allow God to do a work in our life. After all, He is not some Father who will use you for what He can and then and then just get rid of you or toss you. He, he has no other plan in our life. If you don't hear nothing I say tonight, hear this. God has no other plan in our life but that we should prosper in all areas. What does the world have to offer? What does the world have to offer that can match the awesome power of, of a God that we serve. I, I, I've, you can search the world over. Remember this, whoever you give yourself to, and that's, that's who you're going to serve. Whatever or whoever, if you, if you give yourself to, to drugs and alcohol, well, you'll be, you'll become the servant or a slave to that. If you give your body over to fleshly desires, and you, you're, you're going to become the servant of the flesh. If, if you give yourself over to your occupation, then you will become a servant to that. If you give yourself over to, to money, then you'll become the servant of money. This is not what God intended for our lives. He never planned for you and I to become a vessel of dishonor, but he wants us to be a vessel of honor. Look what the scripture tells us in Second Timothy 2 and 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Contrary to what the devil tries to whisper in our ear, we, we are valuable to God and we matter to God. He does not want us to be controlled by any other power than Him. He wants to have full authority of our body, our spirit, and our soul. It belongs to Him and He wants us to use it for His glory. Contrary to popular belief, fornication, adultery, lying, cheating, stealing, homosexuality, bad attitude, drunkenness, fighting, manipulating people out of their possessions, and the list could go on and on and on this evening. They're still wrong and sinful in 2016. 
we live in a world that, that has cast this, this thought process to the side, but participating in these things will cause the vessel that God has placed in us to become stained and, and worthless. Look at how Paul explained it in 1 Corinthians 6 and 15. He said, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That that question was posed several times there. What? What? Don't you realize what he's done for us? Don't you realize what what he's brought us out of? How can we again turn sometimes and walk away from the goodness and the grace of God? If we choose to set ourselves apart for the worship and work of God, our vessel, our, our, our body will become like gold. Like Josiah the king, we will be used of God to make a difference in this world. We will be used to help. And I strongly, uh, I strongly believe this. If we give ourselves to the Lord, we will be used to help bring our community into a revival. I believe with all my heart in these last days, that, and, and I say this often, so forgive me for being repetitive, but I, I believe with all my heart this this church is is a, a light in a dark, dark place. And I can tell you, all around us, not not in just this local community, Hatch Bend, but, but outreaching in Brantford and in Mayo and Lake City, north, south, east, and west, I really believe that when when revival is already moving, but, but when revival really begins to stir, there's going to be some people that know, that know where they can come to really touch God. We may not see them now on Sundays and Wednesday nights, but 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 for the lack of a better word, an old saying, when the foot hits the fire, they'll be here. And when they come, God needs somebody. He needs a church, a congregation that's presented themselves a living, holy sacrifice that, that can lead the way. If we, if we choose to set ourselves apart, we can be like... Josiah, this king who gave all his heart, all his soul, and all his mind. Why, why should we give over to the influence of the Spirit of God? Who, who should, why should I go against everything that the world is saying and follow after the Lord? Let me mention a few. If we let the Spirit influence our lives, our life won't be filled with nightmares of things that we've done today or the weekend or, or last month. If we let the Spirit influence our lives, we can go to bed at night without worrying how our souls are. If we let the Spirit influence our lives, we get the blessings of the Lord on our life, on our marriage, on our kids, and on our career. We don't have to wonder if we did the right thing in business or, or in a relationship with a friend or whomever because when the Spirit of God is ordering our steps, we're going to do the right thing. Let's look at what James said in 1 and 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, 
neither shadow of turning. The word variableness there means uh, not changing. We, we serve a God that, that doesn't change. I'm so thankful to know in a, in a world that's changing faster than, than you can keep up with. You know, they'll release something, uh, the latest and the greatest, the latest and the greatest, whether that be a, a phone. I think the iPhone 7 just come out and, uh, I, I'm not too tax heavy, but you mark my words. I bet by Christmas there'll be an eight. Every time, we're just, we're never satisfied. This world is never satisfied just reaching for the latest and the greatest. And, and James is saying good gifts come from above. Good gifts come from the Father and He never changes. As our musicians come this evening, I would like for us to pose one more question. How, how should I set myself apart? There are four things that we should consider when we make the decision to give our whole heart to the Lord. These are the things that we have to offer Him along with our body. Our first would be love. Give Him all your love and your body will naturally follow in the direction that our love is pointing. You know, I always find it, um, I'm, I'm going to just be transparent here. Some mornings of devotion and prayer are more intense than others. <laughs> uh, some mornings it's, I'm, I'm just struggling trying to get through. Uh, but then there's some mornings that God really does something for me and it, it feels like that my love and His love has, has connected so strongly that particular morning and, and I just enjoy how He allows me, uh, for lack of a better word, to just to bathe in that all day because, uh, of love. When we love Him, when we love Him, we're going to naturally follow Him. Deuteronomy said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Number two would be obedience. Out of love comes a determination to obey. So if we love Him first, then we'll, then we will, uh, fall into the path of obedience. To obey the Word of God and the God of the Word. You know, Jesus said, and I, I believe John chapter 14 or, or chapter 15, He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, a lot of people misunderstand that and, and drop off the, the one, we want to drop off the commandment parts. You know, we just, we just want to love the Lord and the love, the Lord love us and everything's going to be okay. But there's some rules to follow. If you read the Ten Commandments, uh, the Ten Commandments are 80% negative. There's just some things we can't do and make it to heaven. We can love the Lord all we want, but if we don't obey Him, if we don't keep His commandments, uh, heaven will not be our home. So love and obedience. Psalm, the psalmist said, Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in His ways. Number three is trust. If we love, if we obey, then we're going to trust. Love and obedience produces trust because we love Him, we obey Him, and we learn that He never fails in trust Results. Brother Rayleigh spoke so aptly a few minutes ago about the Lord loving us and chastening us. And I can think back to, to when my father spared not the rod. You know, I didn't understand at the time. Um, you know, I thought he got a real pleasure out of just wearing me out. But I, as I grew older, I later come to learn that he really hated doing that. But he loved me so much, he wanted to, to make sure I was right. We don't, uh, 
this young fella here, Ethan, sometimes I have to, he spends a lot of time with me, so I have to sometimes get on to him. And I, I've got a loud bark, but a very small bite. And uh, But there has been a time or two I've had to spare not the rod, and I tell you, it tears me up. I just, for you parents, I pray for you because I, I, I can't hardly, but I'm thankful for a God that loves me enough. You know, if, if, if he's not chastening me, if he, if he's not putting me back in line, we better, we better find an altar and pray. Cause, cause I, I know as long as he's correcting me, he's loving me. Love, obedience, trust. The proverb says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into your own, into your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. So, love, obedience, trust, and finally, Repentance. Because we love Him, because we obey Him, because we trust Him, we can come to Him when we've made a mistake. We can fall at this altar in repentance. And we know that because we've loved Him and because we've obeyed Him and because we trust Him, that He has forgiveness and mercy. Joel said, Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. What do we have today that would be worth giving to God? What kind of gift could you and I bring to the altar this evening? Money, possessions, lands, houses, cars. None of this would please the Lord. But there is one thing that God wants us to bring to the altar, and that is ourselves. And in exchange for bringing ourselves to this altar, to this altar He gives us the privilege of of, of being baptized in His precious name and having this precious gift, the Holy Ghost. And He gives us the bread of life and He gives us a life full of abundance and He gives us a peace that passes all understanding and He gives us a promise that He'll never leave us nor forsake us, but He is. Make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen. He's a God that requires some sacrifice. He, he, he's not into just a Wednesday and a Sunday Christian. He, he's, he's enough of that in the world. He, he's looking for somebody that's real. And it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much to do something for the Lord. I, I'm, I'm not here to promote the nursing home. I'm just using this as an illustration. We carried 20 plus kids with us Sunday. And they were scattered all out through the precious elderly people there and to some it may have seemed like a disturbance but I'm usually the last one to leave as I shake hands and hug necks and pray for people and every person that I come in contact with said thank you for bringing those children today thank you to my knowledge none of them did nothing we, we, had, we did have two that quoted some scripture but they just showed up and made themselves available to God. It doesn't take much to be a part and do a part in the in the kingdom of God. He is just looking for availability and he's looking for people that will just as I alluded to earlier, just stop. Stop for a minute and let him speak into our life. I read a somebody sent me a story um uh, on social media a couple of days ago and I I actually uh, while my tractor was warming up I, I read it and I 
I just begin to weep. I, I, I have no idea if it's true or, 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 or if it was just a, a story that was made up, but the point is what, what became so clear and evident to me. It talked about a young man at a Wednesday night Bible study and how the, the preacher was talking about God still speaking in this hour. God's still speaking in this hour, but, but are we listening? This young man with some of his friends at the conclusion of the service went to a, a little cafe and had some coffee and some pie and they began to discuss the topic of the sermon and seemed like everyone at the table had a story or a testimony of where God had spoke into their life. Maybe not with an audible voice, but it was very clear, an unction of the Holy Ghost that they received. This young man had no testimony to give, no story to tell. And as he got into his car to leave, he, he bowed his head and he said, God, if you're still speaking in this day, in this hour, I, I'm, I'm pleading with you, God. Speak something into my life. Say something to me. And I'll do my best to obey. As he pulled out of that parking lot, he felt a sudden urge to, to buy a gallon of milk. A gallon of milk. He neglected this urge and passed up the store, but something just kept tugging at him to buy, go buy a gallon of milk. And he said, okay, Lord. Kind of jokingly, if, if this is you speaking to me, I'm going to go buy this gallon of milk. I could always use it at home. He purchases the gallon of milk and he continues his journey toward his home and, and God speaks to him. He won't seem to turn on a specific street. He's, God, is this you? And he, he drives by this street. There's no reason, no rhyme, no purpose to be down there. But he says, okay, God, if whatever reason that I'm feeling to turn around and go down this street, I'll do that. By now it's late in the evening and most of the lights of the homes are out. People are asleep and he stops, feels the urge to stop in front of a particular home and all the lights are out. And God is saying, I want you to go knock on the door and I want you to give them this gallon of milk. He said, but God, I'm going to look like a fool. Is this really you, God, or is this something trumped up in my imagination? He goes to drive off and Again, that urge, go knock on this door and give them this milk. He removes himself from the car and knocks on the door and nobody comes. And So he's trying to get away or walk away. And about that time, he hears a voice, kind of a rough voice, holler, who is it? A man opens the door like he had just been disturbed from bed and Stands there before the man and he said, Sir, I don't know why I'm here, but I just wanted to give you this gallon of milk. The man takes the milk from his hand and he runs back down the hall to return with a wife who's weeping with a child in her hand. And he said, We have just paid all our bills this month and we have nothing left to feed our baby with. And we've been praying that God would send an angel with some milk. Are you an angel? The man reaches into his pocket and pulls out every bit of money he has and returns to his car with tears streaming down his face. And he said, God, thank you 
you're still speaking. And if we would just stop long enough to hear the voice of, the, of, of God. He is, he is desiring to use everyone in this house. It is His joy. It is His privilege for us to be an asset to the kingdom. But we've got to give Him ourselves As we stand across this house this evening. This evening if you would just make an altar where you stand. And as they begin to sing in closing, could we, could we perhaps, I hate to use the word recommit, but could we perhaps recommit to the Lord and say, Lord, if I'm, if I've been lax lately, if I've been a little bit slothful, would you, would you help me in my slothfulness? Would you help me to contribute and give all my heart, all my mind, all my soul to you? It's you. It's you, God, that I want to center my life around. Can we lift our hands this evening and ask the Lord that? Lord, I love you today. I'm thankful, Jesus, that you paid the price. I'm asking you today, Lord, to help me recommit to you today, God. God, help me to to do what you... This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.